So I have a very vital question that I want to ask to start this podcast, and it has to do with the whole premise of everything, obviously. But for those people that are either listening for the first time or continual listeners and either are dealing with mental health issues or substance abuse issues um, or know somebody who has who could speak from experience, is there ever that, like aha moment that you have learned to have where it was like oh okay I fixed this finally or I've found a new level that's way better than where I was at like is there ever that moment where you know for a fact you took your monumental leaps and bounds forward and the only reason that I ask this can I find it as such a divisive question is because I've been through numerous different phases of mental health and substance abuse and I've never felt as if I had that aha moment. And I do have a very deep feeling that some people try to correct one problem, but they're just, uh, like, there's a tree, right? And there's the root of the problems, and then it grows up, and then it branches out. And then some people correct some of the roots, but still can't figure out why they can't find the stability, because they never fixed, like, I mean, sorry, the branches, and they never fix the roots. Um, And so they continually have this type of a problem. I'm just, it makes me wonder if, there is that genuine aha moment. We always want to have like that definitive answer. It's humanity at its finest. We want to find the end of space. We want to know exactly how the brain works. We want to find the bottom of the ocean and explore all of it and know everything, but we never can know everything. So it puts me into this weird position to wonder to myself, am I chasing something that is not real? I have a couple favorite rappers and a couple favorite artists and everything along those lines and one of the lyrics lyrics speak to my whole life like I can build a whole podcast just commenting about the lyrics that resonate with me for some reason and then I explain it to somebody else and they're like oh shit I didn't realize that so this one's a little bit more obvious than that but it's from LP who's in Run the Jewels with Killer Mike but this is his earlier stuff Um, this is off a $4 Vic and he says how the fuck do you explain your own self-destruction and still remain trusted so I think my ultimate purpose with this message is to share some type of a solution that comes with dealing with different types of characters, personalities, disorders, so on and so forth. Even the simplest way to think about this is people have different talking styles. So you can have a person who is very, very intelligent but shy and they can't vocalize what they say, but yet someone who is very, we all know exactly who I'm talking about, who talks very openly and brashly about their confidence and knowledge and intellect that you just say fuck it and you just believe them because the confidence is what makes it believable. It's not the actual content, it's just the actual, uh, the way the person carries themselves. And this is very fucking dangerous, because it happens a lot. We have a lot of historical figures who've did terrible things because of this. Um, but I like to think if you have certain types of talking styles, like argumentative, if you're an active listener, or if you're just a pushover, it, it's not a fault to you, it's just your personality, and it's okay to have that. But if you're struggling to have some type of connection with another person who you want to continue a relationship with, if you don't want to continue a relationship with them, then fuck them, just have whatever conversation you want or just ignore them. But if you want to actually continue this, I did this the other day with my friend Brittany who lives in Seattle. We were having some conversation via text message, via just the voice messages. And she's a confident, strong, well-spoken person. She's super fucking intelligent, a lot smarter than I am. But I'm very good at just 
cutting people off and saying my idea is the right idea and like it could come off as wrong i don't think it would happen with her but we were having a uh, conversation via the text message app and all of a sudden i realized we had the opportunity to speak and be heard and then listen and then reply it wasn't just that immediate conversation where you're just replying to continue the conversation. You actually have the opportunity to sit and think. So with that, if you have a professional environment, a family environment, any type of environment where you're struggling to actually have open communication, don't do a phone call, but don't do a text message because both of them have negative values. Text the fucking person with your voice message and have that conversation. Give them the ability to talk, the ability to respond, and then you can do it. And then all of a sudden you're not stepping on each other's toes. It becomes fluid and you can cross over a lot of conversation you wouldn't have if it was a regular sequenced phone call conversation. This episode is called Skydiver because I'm going to skydive into my layered thought process of why I act and how I am and how you can look at it through the perspective. So society does a very good job of demonizing a lot of things that are, um, say, problematic to their their perspectives. And if you look at any type of mental health issues and everything like that, you can see some of these things that, for me, work good for me, but also have very negative connotations. But if you take someone else's perspective, they think it's problematic. So looking at mental health issues, I'm going to speak on what I know, and I won't go outside of the scope of that. But for me, this topic starts with borderline personality disorder, which delves into a deeper layer of breaking that down into paranoia versus anxiety and what makes them differentials, and then looking at what is considered a delusion, or what is narcissistic, what is, um, you know, self-appreciation versus narcissism, what is positivity affirmations versus bragging, and I think we can break this down into a lot of topics that can be both negative and positive connotations, so... So to begin, I'll use the definition of borderline personality disorder. Borderline personality disorder is a mental health disorder that impacts the way you think and feel about yourself and others, causing problems functioning in everyday life. It includes self-image issues, difficulty managing emotions, difficulty managing behavior, and a pattern of unstable relationships. With borderline personality disorder, you have an intense fear of abandonment or instability, and you may have a difficult, to difficult time tolerating being alone. Yet, inappropriate anger, impulsiveness, and frequent mood swings may push you away from others, even though you want to be in loving and lasting relationships. So I think the immediate thought that you have when you think about the definition of borderline personality and then the examples of it are paranoia and anxiety, things that come from this type of disorder. You have a fear of abandonment, which causes nervousness, anxiety in public. Um, you think everybody's out to get you, which is paranoia, but there's a fine differential between paranoia and anxiety. So to start, paranoia is essentially the thought process and irrational mistrust of other people and the beliefs of prosecution from other people, and it sometimes can you know, have like a mistrust type factor or that feeling that nobody really understands who you are. Like you think that you're this individual within society and you're different from other people. Um, so you subsequently isolate yourself and it could just cause a thousand different stressors within your life. Um, then you have anxiety, which is in interpersonal nervousness about how external things impact you. So I think that it's like, anxiety is natural, but there is a level of anxiety that is problematic, which is like a medical problematic type thing. But when you look at the two, 
paranoia has everything to do with the outside world. And then anxiety has everything to do with the inside world. So when you look at paranoia, it's an internal thing that you feel as if everybody is out to get you. Everybody's conspiring against you and it's a very intense feeling, but it comes from within. Anxiety is you existing somewhere and that surrounding environment causing you stressors. So it, it's a two-way street, but there are very different perspectives and sometimes people will say, oh, I'm paranoid, or they'll say they have anxiety and they're not the same thing and it's very important to differentiate the two to kind of understand how you need to interact within society to understand what your triggers are. I don't really like the word trigger, but whatever. So I'll share a few examples of what paranoia is to me. Um, and so this one's a little bit different than paranoia, but this is a constant, is that anytime anybody calls me, whether it's my mom, my brother, I mean, no, anytime anybody calls me, actually. But typically my mom and my brother is that the th reason why before I answer the phone, the reason why I think they're calling me is to tell me that somebody died or there was like a warrant out for my arrest or something like that. That's paranoia because everybody's conspiring against me. Now, I don't want to dig too far into the fact that I'm stabbing my own self in the back, but realistically, that's what happens. That's paranoia. It's caused by you, but it also is a thing that actually does continually exist. And second, I don't own guns anymore because I'm scared of what I would do with a gun. I've said openly and honestly, and I want this to fucking really be a fine-tuned moment on this because I've had people call me and I've had a self, uh, not a self-help, a, a health and wellness checkup by police officers come to my house because somebody reported me. I've never been suicidal. I'm not suicidal, but I'm scared of owning guns because people make fucking mistakes. People make bad decisions in split seconds and then regret it. And I know every motherfucker who jumped off a building once in their life and died, I guarantee you if that motherfucker could stop on his way down to the ground, he would have stopped. And that's just, he would have stopped, that's sexist. But like still, that's realistically, that's the thing. I'm not like, I'm not gonna dig further into that because I'm just gonna start rambling and say something I don't want to. And my apologies for the audio drop in this next clip. I recorded it, I had my headphones in, the microphone must have switched, but I said something that I like I meant and I genuinely felt just off the cusp and I'm not gonna try to re-record it and make the vocals and emotion come off the same so this quality is a little bit worse on the next part here and frankly this is one of those things that makes me extremely upset about the modern you know just society that we live in where it's like you need to report your mental health issues and uh, there's help there if you need it but dude I can't tell you how many times me reporting my mental health issues has helped me but I can tell you exactly how many times that fucking shit has been used against me. Even though it's illegal to do it in jobs. It's illegal to do it in the trial team I was on. It's like it's such an intrusion and invasion of privacy. You're taking a fucking vulnerable class of people and asking them to share some type of information that we don't want to fucking share. And then using it against us. So then I just won't fucking share it. And it's just... it. it it's not the fact, I, and I, this is why I hate having to talk about the suicide topic and any other types of topics, because I'm not suicidal. I'm just okay with being open about the fact that I could be at some point in time. And people don't want to fucking look in the mirror and admit that it's the truth, so they look at you like you're crazy, and like, it's just, it offends me, but I'll, I'll get back onto it. But like, stop fucking demonizing. Either don't fucking ask people to report their mental health, or don't fucking use it against them. But... We'll continue on.
because it speaks to exactly what society is now. We have this society that says that we're trying to help, we're trying to rehabilitate and so on and so forth. Guess what society was trying to help and rehabilitate? The war on drugs. They ain't re rehabilitating shit. All they want to do is fucking reprimand you. They want to punish you, they want to be authoritarians, and you are a lesser class of person because of your mental health. Now, I don't fucking think that. I think people who can open up and vocalize about this shit are strong fucking people. But the fact that it gets used against them, in some people, I don't give a fuck that it gets used against me. It's going to come out, and I'm going to tell you right to your fucking face and make you uncomfortable. But some people don't have the fuck you attitude that I have. So they get stuck and have to sit at home and cry alone and never get to share this shit because the fear of fucking reporting something and having it get used against them. Like, I've lost a job, I've been kicked off a trial team, and I'm currently getting in trouble with something else due to me reporting my current mental status. That's fucking wild. How do you... I don't know. I won't keep digging onto that. We'll get back on topic, but th that's important to speak about, frankly. There's another way that I like to look at this as a solution to paranoia and anxiety, and there's two things that I like to look at for this. Not, no, actually, no, there's one thing. It's two in the same. I have a coin right here in front of me, and it says yes on one side, and it says no on the other side. I call this shit the coin flip paradox, because the second you flip that motherfucking coin in the air, if you say, let's, we'll just continue with this example, whatever. Say, I want to kill myself, and you flip that coin up in the air, and you say, if it says yes, then you're going to do it, and if it says no, you're not going to do it. The second you flip that coin, you already know what your answer is. You know if it's yes, you know if it's no. And then if it lands on yes, and you're like, oh wait, I'm not gonna do it, because you already knew it. So, if you're struggling with something, and suicide is a very hard off topic, and I'm not trying to make light of that, like, don't get me wrong by any way, means am I trying to make light of that topic, but for any decision that you have to ever make, just flip a fucking coin. You know the second you flip that coin what you want, and this can really change that extended anxiety that you have by, I'm gonna start this project. Like, focus on that split-second decision. Is it worth it? Flip the coin. Yes, no. You know immediately, is it worth it? And if it is, continue, because that means you're on the right path. I'll touch on dreams a little bit later in this podcast, and you understand how this kind of ties in as well. And a secondary key example for me of something that you really, really... <clears throat> this is so life-changing in two ways. If you're moving, if you're doing anything to change and you want to change any patterns of behavior in your life, do not turn your house into your living hell. Like, I don't know how to describe this much deeper than that. It's just you find a room that you work in and you work there find a place that you eat at and you eat there if you're not doing anything make sure you're in a place where you're not doing anything because you can create your own hell and then the second that room becomes your hell it's no longer a useful room you'll never be able to shake that like it's just it's just something that always sticks so follow your patterns figure out your behaviors and don't create your own hell make sure you're setting your environment up to be as successful as you possibly so for a long period of time i've actually like had this weird thing that's happened to me and it's doesn't happen to me it's a constant um that if i close my eyes at any moment i can visually like see just as vivid of a world 
with the second I close my eyes as I can with my open eyes. And this plays a fucking huge part into me having the struggle with differentiating the real memories and false memories. I can convince myself that something was real because my imagination is so vivid that I kind of experience a lot of shit in imagination that I can't differentiate from the truth. So I googled about this and it's called hyperphantasia and hyperphantasia is the condition the condition of having extreme vivid mental imagery. Uh, it's the opposite of aphantasia where the visual mental imagery is not present. Um, I think the interesting thing about this is when I started to read into this I was trying to like figure out what aphantasia was and so like I closed my eyes and tried to imagine that I'm not viewing mental imagery I'm just viewing words and the part of aphantasia is people have memory and thoughts inside of their head that are just like just a voice or just like actions that have happened but they're not visual and everything like that and as I tried to I closed my eyes and just tried to visualize in words and I had just that layer I'm, I have my eyes closed right now I had the layer of fonts in the word the, it says word and then there's you know the Helvetica font on the left side and then there's the italics and then all these types of fonts because my mind can only viv like imagine in vivid imagery like it's I don't know it's the strangest thing but I think this topic of hyperphantasia digs into the topic of delusions and the topic of um, affirmations and bragging and everything like that. It's hard to really tie them all together, but I'm going to try my best to. So with your imagination, you can have these vivid dreams and everything that are literally blueprints for your future and your mind's preparing you for certain types of things. Another, I'm going to go on a side tangent here. What I heard about deja vu recently too was that deja vu is your mind prepares you for so many like there's there's pathways that you follow and then your your dreams will like sequence every single type of path to prepare you for something and then once you hit the end of that path the reason why that you have deja vu is because you dreamed that moment before. And so when you hit that moment, it seems like it's so hyper real because you've been there before, but it's because your mind prepares you for almost everything. And so when you hit that pathway, my logic on deja vu is when you have deja vu, that means you're doing the right thing. Like for a long period of time, I was trying to differentiate what deja vu meant to me and is it, am I on the right path or am I doing the wrong thing? And I started to document it and write it down. And when I have deja vu, that means I'm living a good life at the moment. And my dream is doing a very good job of preparing me because I'm being consistent. And so when I'm being consistent, my dreams don't have to make up a thousand different realities. It's easier to follow the structured reality that I live in and there's no chaos. And so follow the deja vu and so on and so forth. Truly, I've reached out to so many people in so many different types of ways to ask for help that have either just flat out ignored me, like asking for help and reaching out on social media and saying this, like, I don't mean this to be an offense to anybody, but I've asked a number of people to do this podcast who've been like, yeah, and then they just fucking ghost you. And it's okay. I like talking. I like doing this. This is very therapeutic for me, but I don't think the medical health field and the mental health field is one size fits all. So the same type of conversation patterns that we're having, trying to discuss how we reach out to get help, it's different for every single person. There's so many people on one side of the spectrum that are anti 
pharmaceutical medication. And so many people on the other side of the spectrum who are not pro-weed yet or anything like that. And that's okay for them, but some people need to be on fucking pharmaceutical medication and some people need to just smoke weed. There's not a one-size-fits-all for this type of a conversation. So it's just interesting to me, like, I reached out to my brother a couple of times and I'm not saying this is the correct answer and I'm not even saying that he should have done anything more than he did for me. He didn't need to be a medical professional for me. But I reached out to him and I opened up about something that I need to open up a line of communication with my family because I'm fucking struggling with a lot of shit and I can't talk to anybody. And and not that he ignored me, he just didn't give me a very good response. And I think even if he heard that, he, he'll call me if he has some problem with this, but if he heard that, he would probably agree. It's Again, it's not his responsibility, but so many people are seeking and searching and calling out for help in different types of ways, so don't hold that against them. Try to be as helpful as you possibly can, because you don't know how little that little fucking piece of conversation or positivity or anything would help them and help better that moment that they're dealing with at that time. So something bad happened after that. And so that's why I think he would be like, ah, oh, fuck, I wish I did a little bit more. But I also want to tell him that it's not his responsibility. And me and him haven't talked since then. This is over a couple of months ago. And I don't, I can't, I could, but I can't open up to call him right now and say, my bad, dude, it's my fault. So I hope he fucking listens to this. But I think that for me, the hardest thing that I have to deal with in my life in dealing with mental health issues and any type of substance abuse and everything is that I cannot ever get a break from myself. There's no such thing as resting in my life. The only time I get to rest is when I'm fucking blacked out drunk and I'm cruising on autopilot. So it's hard for me to just sit and live through sobriety or live through not drinking or doing this, that, and the other because that's my break. And I've learned it so repetitiously that I don't even know how to deal with it anymore. So that's, it's like relearning for me is, which is going to be tough. But my biggest message is that don't be so tough on yourself that you can't actually enjoy anything in life, but don't ever lose that fucking edge to hold yourself accountable.